at some point in your childhood, early childhood, you, depending on how, you know your uh, how you're raised, you either get self worth or you don't. And if you don't, then you're going to be chasing it your lot your whole life. And part of that is by using alcohol or drugs or whatever. Welcome to the Recovery Edgecast. My name is Alfredo, and I'm an alcoholic. And today we have Brian on the line, who I've known for, oh, I don't know, several years now. Um, and I met you at the New Hope meeting in uh, Firestone. Yes, that's right. How's it going? It's going very well, thanks. Good. What are you up to these days? Uh, well, I'm still working a lot. And mm-hmm. um, besides that, you know, on the weekends, I try to get a few things in, just projects around the house that I have too many of um i need to do a better job of finishing one before i start another um Mm -hmm. but uh my little brain keeps chugging away so it wouldn't be great if i did that and i started and then i kind of dilute everything else so uh but uh no besides that um you know just uh living you know living the dream now you've been going to the new hope meeting um long before i have i don't know if it was long before i have but you were there on my first day. Um, how long have you been attending the New Hope meeting? Uh, let's see. We've lived here in Colorado for probably for nine years. So I would say about eight and a half years. Cool. And uh, what's your sobriety date and where is your home group? Uh, October 23rd, 1998. And my uh, home group is the New Hope group. Okay. In Firestone. How many years is that? For what? Um, I, oh, 20, what is it, 22? Is it 22 years? Or is it 23? It'd be 23 this year. Gotcha. God, God willing. Well, congratulations on all your recovery time. Oh, well, thank you. But you know what it is. It's, you know, one day. I don't... I. I tried never to take it for granted. And that's why when people say, well, you know, you're going to have 23 years. I say, well, you know, um, I don't know, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, You've always been one of the more, I guess, positive voices in the rooms I've noticed. What do you, what are you doing to remain so positive? Well, I, I do pray every day twice. Um, I always thank God for keeping me sober before, uh, like before the morning, and then at night I ask him keep, uh, ask, thank him for keeping me sober that day, and then, and ask him to do it again the next day, and that's what I do. I get up and do that every day. Um, besides that, you know, I keep in touch with um, the AA people. I know not as much as I as I should, uh, but the. The other thing is, for I'm I'm blessed in that I it almost never goes out of my mind that I'm an alcoholic, so it always reminds me all the time that um, you know I know what I could what what would happen if if I go back out. So it's it's really just never that far far from my mind. Mm. Well, I I think you're warmed up. Do you feel warmed up? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go I'm ahead ready. and uh, tell us what. It was like before what happened and what it's like today and take all the time you need. Okay. Thank you. Um, 
Well, again, my name is Brian. I'm an alcoholic. Um, and I actually got sober in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I was living at the time where I had lived for, I lived for about 25 years there. And, um, so going back to what, what it was like, um, born into a family that was definitely heavy drinkers and my grandfather and his brothers all were <clears throat> sort of the scourge of south st louis uh when they were growing up they were sort of known as the bennett boys and they were very heavy drinkers um all all six of them and they were kind of rough too because give you an idea my grandfather needed to learn how to swim so they drug him down to the mississippi and tossed him in and that was how he learned how to swim mm -hmm. so uh, but my mom and my dad definitely were uh were heavy drinkers my dad died of cirrhosis um mm. and my mother had a lot of issues that i know were uh, health issues that were caused by alcoholism i mean my grandfather my my mom's father died uh, basically of a lot of complications of things, but the one thing he he had was esophageal cancer, and I have to think that alcohol played a figures a, a big part of that, mm. and um, and stroke, and then my father's dad actually died of uh, at that time they were calling it bleeding ulcers, but now that I know about it, it's probably the the varices veins that are right are varices that are right around the the stomach um, and those veins can um, it's very common in alcoholics and uh, they can burst. And I, I would imagine that's probably what happened, but um, uh, so anyway, I, you can see that I was primed for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I, uh, when I was young, I just remember my parents and their parties and always having booze around. And I grew up in St. Louis so, and I don't care what Milwaukee says, St. Louis is the beer capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mean, we used to go down when I was a teenager, like when I was, oh, 15, 16, when we could drive, they always had these big part, uh, big uh, picnics down on the, uh, by the arch all around the riverfront. And they were the kind that had those trucks that, from the beer manufacturers that you pull, they pull up and there would be taps coming out the side of them. And so my friends and I would go down there and they were so, they were pretty lax then about <laughs> letting kids have beer. Yeah. So, so we would just get that and, uh, and drink, uh, you know, and just get drunk. We, they used to have these bucket, you know, the beer buckets that people would have and we'd go up and down and get those filled up and just, uh, you know, have a good old time. Hmm. But the first time I got drunk was probably when I was 14. Uh, my friend up the street, um, his sister was going to a picnic, a church picnic and a Catholic church picnic. Uh, I say that because Catholic church picnics in St. Louis are notorious for having those trucks with the beer taps coming out of them. Hmm. And um, so we went up there and his sister bought us beer that night. And I remember the first thing that hit me that got me convinced that booze was my answer was that I've never really been one to feel like I fit in with a crowd of people. Um, I always kind of uh, just always feel like the outlier. 
And I know that that's pretty common amongst us alcoholics, mm-hmm. uh, as I've heard in meetings. And when I had my first couple of beers, all of a sudden that just vanished, you know, and I could, I could mix with anybody. And I thought, wow, this is great. This is all I have to do is I have to drink. I can drink this stuff and then I'll be a social butterfly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and the the one thing that didn't happen is I didn't get drunk enough that night to get sick or have a hangover the next day. So maybe that was not good because, you know, there were no repercussions from it. All I got was this great buzz Although, you know, I didn't ever get, I never got it. Well, I got it again. And, but you know how that goes. Eventually you can't hit that buzz point without going over into the completely drunk and stupid and uh, dangerous uh, zone, Mm -hmm. at least towards the end. But um, so that was how I, how I started out. Um, When, um, but then when I got a little bit older, like 16, 17 years old, my friends and I were all just drinkers. I mean, we lived to drink on the weekends and our, well, we had one guy that was, um, pretty big and he could actually go to liquor stores and buy, uh, buy a, a liquor for us, even at like 16 or 17. But like I said, I don't, I don't think they were really serious about restricting that at that time. And back then, driver's licenses didn't even have your picture on it. Hmm. So he found a way to very carefully with a razor blade scrape off the last digit of his birth year so he could make himself wow. so he could make his, his ID to be 21. Uh, but <clears throat> we used to go down to um, St. Louis is has a, a Missouri itself, but St. Louis has a lot of caves going all the way through it. And so one of our big things was on Saturday mornings, we'd get up and we'd go and uh, down to a cave and we'd go in it and, you know, explore a little bit and come out and then he'd go get us booze and that great stuff like Strawberry Hill and, uh, um, you know, MD 2020 <laughs> yeah, uh, that I can't believe I survived. But uh, so we would drink that after we got done going through the cave. Um, just a really, uh, it was just really a great time. And we really, that's what we did. We drank mostly on the weekends. I mean, there were some, some of us that drank during the week, but at that time I never, I didn't, but my worst drunk, which should have, uh, really at that time, which should have, uh, you know, um, led me to a different path was I went out and I went, um, we found some, uh, guys who had ditched some Falstaff beer. I, I don't know if anybody around here has ever had Falstaff beer, but it was it was okay, but it was kind of you know cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I drank about a twelve pack within about I think three hours, and I was so wiped out and so drunk um, that I stumbled back to my car because we were supposed to be sleeping at this guy's house all night, and we just ran around all over the place. So, but the next day I. Uh, I actually had a job in a liquor store of all places Perfect, uh, because, because my dad was vice president of this big chain of liquor stores in St. Louis. So I, uh, I went the next day and I was just really bad. I was sick, sicker than a dog, but I got up and I went and I remember that one of the guys was in the cooler in the big cooler room and he was doing some stuff and, uh, 
he dropped a couple of bottles of beer and that odor just about killed me. Mm. Uh, then he, uh, when I was in, I was, uh, everybody was trying to give me their hangover cure. And one guy said, Oh, go across the street to that diner and get yourself a glass of buttermilk and that'll take care of it. And I walked over, they didn't have any buttermilk. So I said, well, give me some regular milk. I, I took one sip of that and I had to dash for the, for the bathroom in the back. Mm-hmm. And I was, while I was throwing up, I was, uh, it was, I noticed it was pink. And then all of a sudden it started getting really red and then some blood clots came out and I said, Oh my God, that's, that stuff's terrible. I'll never drink again. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, went back out. Um, so that was my high school days. Now when I was in college, that we went to, I went to the university of Missouri and we were really proud of the fact that somebody Somebody claimed they had seen an article in Playboy that said uh, for the ten be- uh, uh, the what is it the uh, the colleges with the highest beer consumption, mm-hmm. and the rumor was that they had listed all these and they had left Missouri off, but then at the bottom they said, "Sorry, Missouri, we can't rank you with these amateurs." And so that was my college days. I mean, we just went to the uh, getting drunk all the time, but you know, even at that, I. I didn't really, I, at that time, I didn't think I had a problem, but I know that the drinking in college, you know, that was something that held me back um, because I would much rather be drunk than going to classes. And um, so I, I did graduate, but, you know, I didn't do that great, but, you know, I, I got the, the piece of paper. Um, and then uh, when uh, my wife and I got married when I was 21 and we had just had a great time actually drinking with our friends that we played softball with in, in, the, um, in Columbia, Missouri, because we stayed and lived there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. The, um, and you know, it was fun, but I now, but I still know that it was, it was really affecting everything. And, you know, my wife, God bless her. She's not, you know, she does not have a problem with, with drinking and uh, which is great. Um, and, and she's really hung in there with me the whole time um i've been going down this journey but when i was working um when i finally got out of school and then i got some uh some uh, some experience working at the laboratory there um i'm a microbiologist by training and then i went to um so i got a job at eli Lilly in indianapolis and so we moved there well actually before that i got a job in chicago and worked there for three years and then moved down to Indianapolis. But the, um, it was, uh, again, it didn't really get horrible. I mean, there were bits and pieces or t- certain times when I was, um, when I would get drunk and have problems. But then towards the end, like um, the last, I would say, six years, six to 10 years of my drinking career, I was more. It was at the point where I, there was nothing I w- wanted more than was to leave work and hit the liquor store and guzzle some. Um, usually, it was those little shot shot bottles of uh, of uh, vodka because you know you can't nobody can smell that on you, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Oh no, mm-hmm. not at all. Um, and I always made sure I got the plastic bottles because when I was driving home, I threw them out the window. I didn't want any glass breaking on the highway. Right. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, I was a you know I was a social uh, an environmentally conscious guy at that time. You can tell. <laughs> um, but it got to be I'd stop and get one bottle, and then at that place I get two bottles, and then I'd stop at two more places on the way home and get two more bottles each. So by the time I got home, um, and then when I got home, I would start drinking beer. So I was just pretty worthless, mo- useless most of the time. And, uh, even though I got up every day and I went to work in, but I know I didn't, um, I didn't feel very good for the first two or three hours and knowing that I wasn't going to drink that night. And then, you know how that goes again, two, couple of three hours later, yeah, it's, it's not bad. Maybe I just, you know, have one or two, I can do that this time. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I would go out and hit the liquor store again. Um, it got to the point where I actually even started, uh, I started uh, leaving work early so that I could hit the liquor stores earlier. Uh, uh, and I know at the end, I, at the end of my drinking, I was probably about to at least go on probation. And I don't know, know if they, I don't think they, they suspected anything about me being uh, an alcoholic at that time. Um, I mean, if they had, they would have taken me aside and told me that I'm going to rehab or I'm going to work someplace else because I do know people that they, they've done that for, um, which is, you know, I mean, the company was, I can't say enough good about the company. I mean, they were treated me great and supported me when I finally got, got sober. Um, you know, they just really, everybody was, was really, really good to me except one guy at the end. And I'm not going to go through that. Um, but I, uh, when I would, I'll just skip forward to my last drunk. And that was when I was, of all things I was doing, I was down my basement putting together a table saw. And I was getting drunk while I was putting together a table saw, which, you know, probably isn't a good idea. Uh, so I always had a habit of saying that, Hey, I'm missing a part. I need to go up to the hardware store. And on the way to the hardware store, I'd stop and get a bottle or, or uh, one or two of those shot things. And on the way home, I'd stop and get another one of the, a couple of those. Um, so by the end of that night, I was just, I was just so freaking wasted. Um, I finally went to the last liquor store and stumbled just, I don't, and the thing is between, leaving the store the liquor store and getting home i don't remember a thing hmm. because i and i was i had blacked out before you know not remembering what i'd done the night before but this one was was um it was just awful um and the things i did before that you know about two weeks before that i did something that should have should have made me go to, to rehab sooner but it was uh it was supposed to be i took my son to his soccer practice and while he was practicing i was practicing too i was practicing drinking and when i picked him up i was drunk and when i was taking him home i tried to drive across a i started to drive across a uh, um you know a uh a separated uh well separated highway the and i turned south into the northbound lanes with my son in the car hmm. and he screamed at me and I kind of like came to, 
And I tur- managed to turn around without getting killed, without getting hit, mm. and go home. But he told me that the whole way later, he said that the whole way home, I just kept saying, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. So that's, uh, that's really not a good thing for an, like a, a 11 year old kid to be hearing while you're, you know, driving them home. It's, yeah. it's really not, uh, puts them in a bad place. So, you know, that, I think back to some of the things I did that were really harmful, um, that luckily have not had lasting harm. Um, you know, I, God has really blessed me, but anyway, the next day, uh, so the next day after my um, table saw making incident, I woke up not knowing anything of where I had been. And my wife was in there. Uh, I apparently I just stumbled upstairs and gone into the um, the guest room and, and passed out. And my wife was downstairs and uh, not downstairs. She was in the bedroom. She was reading the phone book looking for a lawyer because I'm sure she had had it at that point. And I just, um, I just said, okay, um, I got to get out of here. And at that time I didn't even think about going to get help, but I was just going to drive someplace. When I got in the car and I tried to drive, started to drive it down the road, I noticed it was doing weird things and like pulling me to the side of the road and not even with a cop behind me, making me, pulling me, to, um, pulling me over. but. So I got out, looked at it. I couldn't see anything really bad. So I got in, started to do it again. And I said, that's it. I'm done. Um, And I drove to a rehab at a place, uh, St. Vincent Hospital, which was close to us. And they had a a stress center. And I just parked my car, went in and said, I I said, I, I, I need help. And they were great. They took me in. Um, said uh, those magic words, do you have insurance? And I said, sure. Yeah. And they, I said, mm-hmm. yes. And they said, come on in. <laughs> um, so they took me back into the, um, you know, to get me situated, get me checked in. And one thing I defied is they, they gave me a hospital gown. And I said, do you have to wear that tonight? <laughs> I just I ignored it. let the lay on the bed. I'd never put it on. I said, I, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. Um, and I do remember going though into the bathroom and looking at myself in the mirror. And you know me from I kind of have a strange sense of humor. I kind of I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, Well, Stanley, this is another fine mess you've gotten us into. <laughs> but so I just kind of I hung out there for the four days. And the thing was, I, I always when I was in there, I thought, when I went in, I thought, well, now I, now I will just learn how not to get drunk. And when I learned that, yeah, that's true, but that means that you're not going to drink anymore. I was like, oh, wait a second. I, I don't <laughs> think I signed up for this program. Um, but oh, I learned through that on that weekend that it was it was what I had to do. Um, and luckily, my wife was, you know, she stuck with me. Um I have a son who's going to be 40 next month. And my other son, the one that was with me in the car is 33 now or 34. I lose track. Uh, But we, um, 
you know, and luckily they were all they were they knew it, especially my older son, because he saw much more of it and you know was more aware of it at that time. But you know, we've done really well. I mean, he's he, we're, we get along. I, I mean, I, I we have a good relationship, and I just really um, I'm just blessed about that. The one thing that I do, do remember that I did that, and I, uh, <clears throat> I say this because I, I recommend it. That you know, it's always one of these. It's a program of recommendations. Like this, this worked for me. But I know when I got home and I talked to my wife, I just said, "Look, I know I've made you promises about this before, and I'm sorry that it's come down to this. All I'm going to let you know, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. All I'm going to do is I'm going to do my best to." follow through and get sober and stay sober. And, um, you know, I said, if, if at any time you don't, that you don't, you're not satisfied with what I'm doing, you know, just tell me. And if you want a divorce, we'll do it. And, um, so, you know, she agreed. And then six months later or so, uh, we were just talking in the kitchen and I said, I don't know where this came out of, but, um, she just looked at me and she said, and I didn't, I'd never said a word about it. I just went to AA meetings. You know, I just did what I was supposed to do. And um, she looked at me and she said, you know, I think I'm going to stay with you. Hmm. And I was, uh, you know, obviously that, that meant a ton to me. And uh, luckily she has. So we're going to be married 44 years this year, I think. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, oh thanks. Um which is remarkable. It's remarkable for anybody, but especially an alcoholic. Uh, because I don't know if you know this or if you've heard this, but the the, statistic, the statistics for uh, people staying married when after one recovers uh, or goes into recovery, it's not very high. I mean, it's like 90% divorce rate is from what I've heard. And after two years, it's, it's even higher. But um, um so I'm blessed with that. But since then, you know, I, I, I got myself straightened up at work. I even got a promotion. Um, I managed to stay with that company till I did an early retirement uh, three years ago. For, so I was with that company for 30, with Lily for 33 years. Um, and now I'm, um, so I, like I said, they did an early retirement program. And I, now I'm working for a company that, uh, um, monitors clinical trials and that's what I've been doing. Um, but, you know, in between, I'm not going to say it was a better roses because, you know, I still have all those alcoholic idiosyncrasies that we all have, um, you know, self-centeredness, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, for me, it's a, um, complete lack of, uh, self, what was it, a lack of feeling of self-worth. Um, and that's, you know, that's just really hard, but I, I really do think that a lot of times with alcoholics, that's, that's one of the prime reasons that I think, because once you do, you drink that, like I said before, when I was getting, um, my first drunk, it was all of a sudden I had self-worth and, but then, you know, it goes away and you're still dealing with that. And I, I don't know, I've had this theory that at some point in your childhood, early childhood, you, depending on how, you know, your, uh, how you're raised, you either get self-worth or you don't. And if you don't, then you're going to be chasing it your lot, your whole life. And part of that is by using alcohol or drugs or whatever. 
Um, that's just my theory. Yeah, I, I haven't really seen that uh, written in any medical journals, but mm. it, it seems to be fit me anyway. Um, but uh, so, you know, I mean, today I've got a, um, you know, I never lost anything. I'm, I guess they call me a high bottom drunk or people call me a high bottom drunk, but you know what? My, my bottom felt pretty, pretty substantial to me. And, um, and so I, I kind of, I don't resent that. I just don't think it's accurate, but, um, you know, I've been able to do, like I said, um, for 22 years, I've been able to function. I've been able to uh, be there for my wife and my sons, um, and my granddaughters now, and soon to be another grandchild. Mm. Um, and my sons and I, I mean, we all get along. Um, I think the one thing they, they both drink. I mean, I, they actually, I mean, they like their beer and all that stuff, but I don't see any signs of them being like I was at all. Mm. Um, they're, uh, they're very, very self-assured guys. My older sons have been in the Navy for what, 20 years now. Um, my younger son is now in Indianapolis. He got married and he's working at a, um, at a really a pet, uh, pet supply. Well, a company that makes pet products anyway, and he's doing great. Um, so that's, I'm totally blessed by that. Um, and my younger son did him. He went to AA meetings with me. Um, um, with the open meetings when I was, uh, um, actually, yeah, I mean, he went to most of them, uh, when I went on Friday nights or, or Sundays, um, mm -hmm. and my wife too. Um, so, you know, I really think that the biggest thing is just, you know, I, I got a, when I first got into the rooms, I got a, my, my I got a sponsor and, uh. You know, he got me into service work early because he's at one point he just said, look, you're, uh, you're not really doing much. You, you seem like you're just kind of hanging on the edge. So he said, guess what? You're, an, you're our new intergroup rep. And that was after just about four or five months of being sober. So I got a, a baptism into the, in the world of internet, our intergroup, mm. uh, which was, which was funny. Um, yeah. And three or four months. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh? That's uh, wild. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go down to, they had the meetings on Sunday mornings or Saturday or Sunday mornings at the union hall down at the uh, GM assembly plant or the GM plant that was in Indianapolis. And that was a time too uh, when, you know, smoking was still allowed in meetings. Uh, and I come out of the place, I, you, it wouldn't bother to take a shower when I went down there because I come out smelling like smoke, but then... Mm -hmm. People say, well, how can you do that? And I was, well, how could I refuse to go there when I, it never stopped me from going into a bar to get drunk. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, uh, I just remember the funniest uh, parts of it were the, when they were arguing about whether or not they were going to ban smoking in the AA, in AA meetings. Well, I talk about a bunch of, <laughs> that was really an interesting, those were interesting discussions. Um, oh. But uh, so I got involved with that. Um, um, my sponsor and I um, and his sponsor and one of his, uh, my his the uh, my sponsor's sponsors uh, um, sponsees. If you can follow that, good luck. But the um, we got to be good friends and we hung out a lot together. Um, played golf. We went to meetings together. Did a lot of stuff. 
And those early days were just, I mean, they were, they were great. Um, just had some really good friends in the program. And I tried to practice, I, you know, I, I did, went through the steps and I just, you know, there's, there's things I try to practice that I'm not always uh, good at. Like uh, rule 62 can sometimes come and go. And I know that a lot of times I take myself really too damn serious and I get upset. But then when I sit there later and I go, wow, you know, and I can calm down and get to a rational point. It's why, why were you so upset about that? You know, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. And just, you know, at, at, at some point you just have to go with the, uh, go with the, and get the experience and see what happens. You know, I, sometimes I've, I've felt that life is just like a big Disney ride <laughs> you're going around and you know, you're experiencing it. Um, I don't know how much control you have over that. I still go back and forth about that, but you know, it, it's to be experienced, the good parts and the bad parts. And, um, mm. just, um, the other thing was I had a great therapist in, in Indy, even when I, uh, was drinking and he, we talked a lot. He was, uh, and then towards the end, when I, uh, at the end, I was probably, well, I was drinking a lot again. And I would go in and talk to him and have my, my visit with him. And I'd go back, I'd go out and get in the car. And I just, I had booze in the car and I'd guzzle it before I went home. Um, and I had to talk to him when I got sober and said, you know, I have to tell you, I've been lying to you a lot. Um, because I've been leaving here and getting drunk and I just spent the weekend in St. Vincent detox. And, uh, I mean, the guy's just so great. He's a, he's a spiritually based, very spiritually based person. And he said, you know, well, he goes, I, I understand. He goes, that's all part of the disease. Um, I said, well, if you want, I, and I'll understand if you want to cut me loose. And he said, no, no, that's, that's fine. Um, and so we still communicate, even though he's still in Indianapolis, I'm still here. Mm. But, um, and I, I say this, it, I, I tell people this story because it's kind of funny, but it also has a point. And I'll, I'll stop after this was when I was about nine months sober, I noticed that I had almost no emotions. I was walking around kind of like Mr. Spock on Star Trek, you know, just going through the motions and not getting drunk, but not having nothing. I mean, no emotions at all. And I went to, uh, I told my wife, you know, this, I don't, this is strange. And so I was going to him for a visit and I, I just mentioned this to him. I said, you know, I just noticed this, that this is really crazy. I said, I just, I have no emotions. I, I don't know what's going on. I feel, um, I feel crazy. And he goes, well, what do you want? You tell me what you want. And I said, I want to be sane. I said, for the first time in my life, I want to be sane. And he said, well, you're feeling all these all these things, right? I said, "Yep." He goes, "Have you have you gone out and had a drink about it?" I said, "Nope." He said, "Well, congratulations, you're more sane than you've ever been." <laughs> nice. Yeah, and uh, and I say that because the funniest part the funniest part of that was like I uh, went home, and my wife said, "Well, uh, what did he say?" And so he said, "I'm more sane than I've ever been." <laughs> and she told, and she looked at me and she said, "Go get your money back." <laughs> 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 oh, uh, so uh, yeah so but you know everything has been great um overall it's all been great it's not been you know a better rose it's because i get upset and i've had times when i'm um, been totally depressed uh 
And, but the one thing that it's never really occurred to me that I needed to go out and get, uh, have a drink to, um, to make it go away because I know it doesn't, I know that it, it'll come back, you know, tenfold and whack me right upside the head if if I do. Mm. Um, now I won't say because I do, when I played golf with a bunch of guys and we drink, it was, um, it was fun. And I do miss the, um, the social aspect of it, of, you know, having a beer with the guys and that kind of stuff, but I still do. I still go with them, but I have diet Coke. Um, and we, uh, and you know, while they're drinking and it doesn't bother me a bit, but you know, it's just that part of it kind of, kind of doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It's just, I kind of miss it, but it's, it's one of those things where, boy, I don't miss it enough because I know exactly what happens. Um, cause like I said, I never forget it. I never forget my last drunk. Mm. I mean, I, I think about that. I think about it a lot. And so in that way, I'm blessed that God makes me remember that a lot. Um, yeah, the one thing, the other, thing, the other funny thing quick, and then I'll, I'll stop is I went down with these, with all those guys to uh, play golf down in the South of, uh, Indy in Jasper, Indiana. And we were sitting there, um, at dinner um, one of the good, my good friends, said, Hey, Brian, he, he said, uh, for one thing, they all give me their car, the car keys so I can drive them back when they were, nice. when, they, when they were drunk. Uh, but we'll go, Hey, Brian, yeah, just one of the best, you know, guys, uh, older guys, most of them were older guys. He's got, he's gotten into his 90s now, but he was great. He said, Hey, Brian, he goes, uh, How do you think, how do you feel being around all these, uh, all these drunks? And I said, Well, Bob, you know what? Being around you guys makes me realize that I made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> and he just laughed. Uh, but so, uh, but you know, all I can say is, is it's such a better life um, than, than it was. And if people are wondering if they, I think I, I always say, if you're wondering if you need help, you need help. Mm. Um, because normal people don't, uh, who can drink? Don't, don't wake up in the, in the middle of the night and say, "You know, I, I wonder if I should just go to AA, see what's going on there." Um, you know, only somebody with a problem wonders if they have a problem. Uh, so that's uh, so that's what I'll that, that's where I'll stop. And Alfredo, it's been a pleasure getting to meet you. Um, well, thanks. I will just I will just say that I people need to know that the change I've seen in you over the past few years has just been remarkable. Um, well, I'm, first, I'm picking it all up from you guys. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I don't know <laughs> whatever, wherever you're picking it up from, just keep doing it. But the, uh, cause I remember when you came in, I know you struggled with it and, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest with you. You know, there's sometimes I thought, you know, that guy's kind of cocky. I wonder if he's going to ever <laughs> do it, but I, but I hope he does. And you know, you kept going and then, after you made it to your through your first anniversary, I think that was the, the breaking. I, I just see you that ever since that you've just grown like a weed and uh, an alcoholic weed. <laughs> yeah, for real. After that so, first but, year, I I felt some relief for some reason. Yeah, I was like, oh. yeah, yeah, because I know you struggle every every year on that time, and I know when you when you made that breakthrough, it just seems like you just you know. Yeah, I'm just so um, I'm just so happy to call you my friend and uh, to be able to see you when I go into the rooms and 
Well, thanks. I couldn't uh, have done well, it without you, you know. You're uh, just holding it down for that, that group. When there were just a few of us going, you know, I remember those little meetings. Right. I remember they yeah, – Probably maybe when you first came, it was a big meeting, but then it really went down quickly for, for some reason. It just mm. kind of <laughs> really shrunk. And now it's actually, now it's picking back up, which yeah. is great. Do so, you, Brian, um, just wanted to ask, do you remember your first meeting? Oh, yeah. It was when I was in the detox uh, center. There's a huge auditorium. And I... Um, and I remember them hurting us all in there, all the people who were inpatients, hurting us down there because it was an open meeting. And um, sat there and listened to a guy uh, who, the first guy who told my story. You know, it wasn't my, it was his story, but it was my story. Um, it's just how remarkable. And I mean, a lot of the events were different and the 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 things that he did were different, but they were the same. You know, it was just, you could just, feel it and that's that's what i felt every time in a meeting anymore i think we all have such common stories i mean they're just all themes on a different uh you know a different uh topic uh, or yeah. what do you want to say because we all you know but yeah i remember that it was just uh and i went back to that meeting a couple of times actually i already celebrated a couple of my anniversaries but it that's was cool. uh yeah i do remember that um and so, I, and actually, I did go to um, aftercare after I got out of the out of the, uh, the intensive outpatient program. I did that after I got out of detox, mm. and then I did an extended one. And I'll never forget that. There's another thing: the people that you meet in those. Um, the counselor in my um, extended care was a lady named Phyllis, and she was just so great. And I'll never forget that at the end, she everybody sits there and you know they they say something to you when you're it's your last day and she said here i'm gonna give you this and she gave me a, a token and she said um i don't usually say this but she said i think you're gonna make it <laughs> and i just i remember that just like it was yesterday um and I thought, well, I guess I have to do it now. <laughs> I guess I have to make it now. <laughs> I don't want to let you down, so I guess I got to do it. But whatever, it it stuck with me. And um, now, so, if you could give yourself a piece of advice that first year, what would that be? Um, go to go to a lot of meetings, yeah. and. Uh, just go to a lot of meetings. I don't go to that many meetings now. I'll be, I'll be honest about it. But back then, I went to a lot of them. And the other thing is, too, um, I was lucky that I got a sponsor that I had something in common with. And, I mean, not much. Well, we both liked the golf. And we all we were both uh, kind of crazy. But he was actually a former pro football player. So, the, and he was a huge former football player, wow. NFL player. And so when we were together, it was kind of, cause you know me, I'm kind of short and uh, he's like six, seven, six, five and, and weighs about 275 pounds of pure muscle. Um, but he was just a nice guy. <laughs> we, just, we just got along really great. Um, um, 
But uh, yeah, it was uh, so get a get a sponsor that you can actually sh- you know share a lot with and get down and you know really with and and then I would say too because somebody asked me to sponsor them pretty like after six to nine months or so like that mm-hmm. I would say if somebody does that you know do it because at that time you're growing just like they are and so you can sit there and take your own advice um, so I, I think that that helped me a lot as well. If you could sum up your story in two sentences, what would that read like? Oh, let's see. I was I was pathetic, but now I'm less pathetic. <laughs> no, I just <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, that's about what I was. And I wouldn't change anything for the world. Thanks, Brian, for sharing your story with us at the Recovery Edge Cast. And thank you, listeners, for checking us out. You can find more of our episodes at recoveryedgecast.com, also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to check out your podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>